Hey everybody! Really excited you decided to spend some time with us here on Prefer Not To, sometime cocktail hour. Always cocktail hour. With your hosts, Josh Lucas and Kate Matthews. As always, I'm not Kate. And I'm not Josh. Every episode, we sample a, a cocktail and we talk about it. And Are you okay? Uh, well, I have a couple of problems. Okay, maybe do, we need to turn off the, do we need to turn off the computer? Well, no. I, I mean, I think, you know... As you know, when I'm not making podcasts, yeah, I work down in the valley as a vegetable picker. Yeah. Just to put food on the table. Um, and some of the workers and I, it's getting to really towards harvest season, and some of the workers and I are really feeling the, the pressure. Uh, you know, the one of the big growers who owns the one of the big farms, he's not mm-hmm. letting us have enough food, selling it to us from the company store. Uh, you know, we're trying to start a union, and he sends his thugs around to sort of lean on us, all while he lives in this big old fancy mansion and where it has barbecues, and he mm-hmm. walks around wearing like a Colonel Sanders suit. So I had that problem. That's a big problem. It's a big problem. Yeah. And then on the other hand, as you know, working down in the Cabbage Valley, mm-hmm. down in Cabbage Valley, like the old folk song says, uh, you work up a powerful thirst. That's the words of the song. Down in Cabbage Valley, Is that where work cabbage up kids powerful thirst. Cabbage Patch Kids come from? I think probably. If, But you know what? We can't even feed them anymore. So they're just dying on the Cabbage Patch Kid vine, which oh is sad. God. So we're working up a powerful thirst, and all we had uh, down there to quench our thirst was some Prosecco and some seltzer water mm-hmm. and something called uh, Aperol. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what that was. So I guess I have two questions. Okay. I have that first problem. Yeah, that's a big one. That's the big one. And it really doesn't seem like anybody else can help. Okay. Um, do you know if there is, provided that we could find them, someone that we could hire to help me? I'm thinking specifically of, you know, last year you and my wife had that problem where you were running the hotel down in yeah. Miami. Yeah. And you had those guys come in, uh, the gangsters who were trying to get you to sell. And then you hired those guys to manage the place for you, and they made you dress up as bikini models, and it really made the made the really business go up. through the, the business roof. Really picked up, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, do you think I could find those guys? And again, let me be very clear: I don't care if they are part of the Los Angeles criminal underground. I don't care if they're federal fugitives. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, I don't care if they make their living as soldiers of fortune. Okay. If I can find them, can I hire them? And secondly, what can well, I do with all these beverages that have gone into this incredibly long setup? Okay. Uh, well, to answer your f- second question first, uh-huh. um, yes, you can make a delicious cocktail beverage called the uh, Venicio Spritz. Okay. And, I like the sound of that. It sounds me. classy. Uh, yeah. Me and my cabbage buddies, we don't have a lot of classy things in our lives. Well, how you got rally. Prosecco down there. How'd you get that? Uh, we found it. It was in a box. It was, it, we found a vault with some numbers on it. And we opened it up, and there's just Prosecco and weird Italian liqueurs in them. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, that's number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, um, I can't stress this enough. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to need to find them, and I don't know if you're going to be able to. Mm-hmm. But in the event that you do find mm-hmm. them, you should probably hire the A-team. I saw a documentary about them the other day that I think we should probably talk about. Oh, and but we first, will, I'd like but you to tell me. Yeah. yeah. So first, we um we got a little off track there. Uh, we uh, right. We got to do the show. Yeah. Uh, so this week on prefer not to wait. I'm getting ahead of myself again. <laughs> so we have to uh, issue our standard disclaimer, which is that uh, alcoholism is a very serious disease, and a very real problem. And if you found yourself diagnosed with alcoholism, you'd go to the doctor, just mm-hmm. like you would go to the doctor. Just found yourself with it. <laughs> Like sometimes you got lint on your jacket and you don't know how it's like, did I lean up against somebody and I got jacket lint? Sometimes you lean up against somebody and end up with a booze hall problem. You can actually catch that from toilet seats. Not a lot of people know that. Lint? Both. <laughs> Both booze hall and lint. If Casper, the friendly ghost, took a shit before you and left a bunch of lint on the toilet seat. Because that's because, you know, he's just a bed sheet. So all he leaves is lint when he takes crap. So that's how you can pick up lint from a toilet seat. See, the Casper of my childhood is an animated, like, dude that hits on Christina Ricci. Well, first of all, you can have to narrow it down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, fucking Aquaman, Ren and Stimpy, they're all about getting up into that Ricci. Because uh, no, he's a ghost. He's a ghost. He wears a sheet. Yeah. Anyhow. Okay. Anyway, um, so, you know, if you uh, 
suspect that you might have alcoholism, you would go see a doctor. And uh, much along the same lines that if you had uh, Todd's disease or Jerusalem syndrome, you would go see a doctor. You made this up, didn't you? No, I did not. So I'm just going to guess right here. Okay. Todd's disease? Yes. Mm, you like to um, punch people smaller than you. Close. Okay. Uh, Todd's, dis- or Todd's disease, Todd's syndrome, is also known as Alice in Wonderland syndrome. And it is something that happens when um, primarily young children are experiencing headaches or migraines. And you start to see objects and people as larger or smaller than they actually appear. Vastly larger that and is vastly a wacky smaller. Disease. So, because, you know, named after Alice in Wonderland because she can eat and get really mm-hmm. tall and then drink something and get fairly super small. And who's Todd? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just sounds more, I guess it sounds more legitimate than Alice in Wonderland disease. Was he like a really tall guy, but like everybody looked at him far away and they thought he was. Because he's a loner. He was a loner. Right. Nobody got near to him. So they never knew how tall he was. He spent all of his time with children who had headaches. So it was really weird. Anyway. And then Jerusalem syndrome, Mm -hmm. which is uh, when you, (laughs) it's uh, a phenomenon that happens when people visit the city of Jerusalem or other holy sites and come away with this delusion that they are in fact uh, messianic figures Mm-hmm. And have delusions of being, you know, religiously mm-hmm. important to that huge degree. It usually fades, but I just thought it was a cool thing. It's kind of like when, like, American girls go to Italy and they come back, like, thinking that they're really hot. Yeah, they come back thinking that, like, Italians have it all right and right. we should all just sip our Veneziano spritzes. And right. Oh, speaking of it, that sounds like a delicious beverage. And it is. So this week we're having the Veneziana. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Yeah, and and if you hadn't gathered, the movie that we're talking about this week is a documentary called The A Team. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So the docu- the drink that we're having this week is called the Veneziana Spritz. It is an IBA official cocktail that is uh, made up of three parts prosecco, uh, three two parts Campari, and a splash of soda water, and often garnished with a. It's three parts Aperol, two part no, fuck, damn it. It is three parts Prosecco, two parts Aperol, which is an Italian mm-hmm. liqueur, and a splash of soda water that is also garnished with Don't orange. Don't take Aperol if you're taking Wellbutrin. Yeah, do not. Do not. God help you. Um, <laughs> Aperol is not approved for the treatment of mild to moderate depression in adults. Aperol is a another Italian liqueur. It is very similar to Campari. They're actually two different concoctions, um, although the Campari group did actually buy out the mm-hmm. Aperol people in the 2000s, so now they're all under the same umbrella. But it is a bitter Italian liqueur that is used in different cocktails. Um, it was well, I get Spoilers, by the way, for those of us who listened to our episodes that had Campari drinks on them, those of the Exorcist episodes. Um, I like this better because I'm not uh, vomiting. Yeah, it doesn't taste like robot jizz. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't taste like uh, the bottom of the ashtray after you've put menthol cigarettes out in it. And then licked it. Yeah. And threw it up and then drank it again. And then had like used peach pits. (laughs) So Aperol was launched at the Padua um, Padua International Fair in 1919. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has since become a favorite. Is Padua a real city? I just know it's a Shakespeare city. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. They invented it after Romeo and Juliet came out. I, like, I don't know. What? No. Yeah, it's a real city okay. in Italy. Um, uh-huh. So the Italy's spreads, a real country, right? It's not just like that thing that looks like a boot. I've never been there, so okay. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you can talk. You can. Well, I couldn't figure out how to like. Yeah, my wife is here. Uh, hey, by the way, it. just to mention, Laura's on the show this <laughs> week. Yeah. What up, Laura? Hey. She, she was bringing her expertise as having dealt with the A-team that time with the uh, the hotel. And the, it was really a nightmare. Yeah. I, I don't, don't like bikinis. No, I don't either. No. Anyway, back to the spritz. Um, the spritz is a variation on a spritzer, which is very common. You know, white wine spritzer, mm-hmm. which anything like that. A spritzer is uh, half wine and half uh, sparkling water that is added to kind of, I guess, buy champagne, drink champagne without actually having to pay for champagne because it's got that bubble in it. I'm not really sure whoever was like, wine and water. That's good. Actually, I do know because it came out of a very story tra- story tradition. A very 
a very practical tradition of adding things to alcoholic beverages um, so that you could still drink them but not get drunk, particularly in a time when water was really hard to sanitize. Um, you know, mid- Middle Ages, people drink watered down uh, wine and beer and stuff. This is right. This is like the tradition of small beer. Yeah. So, like that. yeah. So that's where that particular kind of aspect comes from. Uh, the spritz itself is an Austrian beverage. The word spritz is German for um, sparkle. <laughs> for waterfall. And right. for waterfall at the same time. So how did it come to Venice, you may ask? Uh, well, I will tell you. So when Napoleon Napoleon invaded um, most of Europe throughout his time, at a certain point he invaded uh, part of most of part of Italy, including the part that has Venice in it, and he ended up in a treaty selling it off to the Austro-Hungarian Empire mm-hmm. as part of his concessions. So Venice, for a very long time of about um, probably a good 100 years, was under the possession and the jurisdiction of the Austro-Hungarians, okay. those damn Habsburgs. Right. And so the soldiers that were stationed in Italy were not used They're to chins. the native... <laughs> oh, God. They were not used to the native Italian wine, and it was really heavy, and it had high mm. alcoholic content. Plus, so they, they kept dribbling it out of their mouths because their mouths didn't close because of their stupid Habsburg chins. Because of their stupid Habsburg chins. And so they, in order to drink it throughout the day, they added water to it. Cut to the 1900s when um, seltzer water is easy to come by. When seltzer water and soda water is more common and easy to come by, it was an easy way to spritz up mm-hmm. <laughs> a... Um, wine and make it right. a little bit more Because as Laura will tell you, anything is more drinkable with bubbles in it. That is absolutely true. It is very true. And so it became easy and mm-hmm. uh, classy to refresh your wine by just adding soda water to it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there actually is some some rumor that it, it was like you could pretend to be drinking champagne without actually having to buy champagne because it was fizzy wine. The Aperol part... Well, and champagne is already sort of a low alcohol beverage to begin with. Yeah, so you get a white wine, and um, it depends on the part of Italy that you're in. Venice is usually Prosecco, but some people actually will just do champagne um, in different parts. Mm-hmm. The liquor of choice in it like, also depends by where you are in Italy, but Venice usually uses Aperol. I'm really getting flush. Oh, 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 yes, you, you've got a rash. You've got drunk rash over there. We need to talk about that on the show sometime. Anyhow, continue. So uh, in 1919, 1919, when Aperol was debuted, um, I guess at some point someone was like, oh, no, you got Aperol in my spritzer. And they were like, no, you got spritzer in my Aperol. And so uh, Aperol was really quick to marry themselves to this particular cocktail, which is something that we've seen before when a particular liquor company or liqueur become tries to become necessary mm-hmm. and right. for like you know the harvey wallbanger that's the only reason you would ever buy fucking galliano it's the only reason you really bought aperol although aperol is very tasty by itself galliano is tasty um and uh that uh, so i guess in the 1950s aperol launched a very famous uh spritz campaign mm-hmm. which was very big on the three two one is all you need to make uh, the spritz the three parts Prosecco, the two, two parts, and then the one splash right. of that. And um, so it's it's very common today in Europe. Um, not so common in the United mm-hmm. States. It's very tasty, I will say. It's it, very good. It was sold out at our local liquor store. The Aperol, not the, not the Spritz. No. We, we had to go back the next day to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. We have, classy, we have a classy set of Lushes here in town. I was really surprised. We went to the fucking ABC store and like they did not have any Aperol, which is like, what else are you doing? Holy smokes, I'm flush. I'm sorry, I poisoned you. No, no. Uh, what Kate is referring to is uh, about once out of every ten times I have a cocktail, I have a uh, mild allergic reaction. Uh, your your face, your voice is saying mild. Your face is saying uh, all over the place. <laughs> I know it looks way worse than it is. I get uh, it's. Uh, what? What are you doing? You don't have an allergy. No, I was trying to talk and I stumbled over the first two words. Anyhow, I have a... a, a alcohol have, flush syndrome. Yes, alcohol flush syndrome that uh, every so often when I have uh, a it's cocktail, like- uh, I look like a, like a beat. It's like Josh 
instantaneously got a horrible sunburn all over his face and yeah, arms. All over my face and arms, and it itches like crazy. And uh, yeah, anyhow, it's uh, common among uh, Asians and me. So, what do you think of the spritz, Josh? Uh, it was really delicious up until the part where I started having an allergic reaction. Laura, what do you think of the spritz? I think it's pretty tasty. It's a little bitter for me. Yeah, little, it's got the uh, bitter liqueur. Like cough syrup at the back of my mouth kind of thing. Mm, fair, fair. Yeah, that's the bitter Campari-ish part, but I thought it was really tasty. But yeah, like, like, I would have another one uh, once once my hives go down. Yeah. So. I like it. I can really see why it's a very... Ch- Josh, I don't mean to say this. It's it's a drink that most people. It's low alcohol content, so a lot of mm-hmm. people. It's a good. You could just have it. You meet your friend for a spritz and yeah. some scrabble and, and go on your way. Yeah. Why would that offend me? Because I was gonna say it's a really easy drink for most people to handle, but it. Well, it's not that it's getting me drunk, Kate. It's I know. That That's literally within ten seconds. I will. I know when I've. And it usually doesn't. It hasn't happened on the show. I don't think. No. Uh, before what happened on the Jack Rose show that time, but we we worked around it. Oh well, but we also were dying because we were locked in my closet, right. and it was really fucking hot. Um, so if you hear any of this, that is me scratching my itchy uh, allergic reaction. And if you hear any of, of this from me and Laura, you know what's going on. Yeah. Anyway, so that's Anywho. the spritz. That's the spritz. I think it's tasty, Laura. You think it's tasty? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, despite. My, looking like the Kool-Aid man. I can really see us having these like on a patio. Like when we when we host our housewarming party, mm-hmm. we could serve these. Yeah, we're moving to a house that has a studio. Yeah. That is one of two outstanding big pieces of news that we yeah, have for I, you. I bought a house. Yeah, and uh, Kate and I get to live in it. So that'll be nice. There'll be a studio, so our sound quality might improve. Who cares? I, Nobody cares about that shit. I'm creeping ever closer to being a crazy cat woman because I will be responsible for four different cats. Yeah. No, that's probably true. Uh, although, you know, I think in order to be a crazy cat woman, your house has to have that, like, vague cat meat and pee smell. Mm. You know, you have to be feeding them from the can. I don't think I don't think you're a crazy cat lady if you're feeding them dry. Oh, no. They they will never taste the glory that is wet food, if I can help it. Yeah. Because yuck. Uh, and, Sorry, yeah, I, I think you got to feed them meat. I've had Judy some wet food. And you got to have given up uh, caring where they pee. Well, yeah. Uh, and at least... Two of us at any point in time care about where. Yes, the real problem is when you flee the nest and go live on your own uh, as an adult woman. Yes. Uh, that, then, then there's the no cats. one there to keep me. There's in check. no one there to keep you in check, except for the toxoplasmosis. Right. Well, that will push you the other direction. So anyway, um, uh, you know, in reference to that problem uh, that I made up in order for our intro, which some of you may recognize as the plot of a seminal episode of the NBC television series from the 1980s, The A-Hyphen Team. Josh and I recently have been watching movies that are based on TV shows. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so we've done The Twilight Zone. This is our second one. We're doing the, we decided to do The A-Team mm-hmm. um, based on the 1980s. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Ran for five seasons on NBC in the 1980s. A TV uh, show that was then made into a movie in 2010. 10-ish. Yes. Starring uh, Bradley Cooper. Don't you mean Bradley Cooper? <laughs> Liam Neeson? Yes. Some UFC fighter guy? Some UFC fighter guy. And that guy from District 9. And Charlotte Copley, a guy with a cool name. Real cool name. He's a good guy. Good good performer. Quentin Jackson is the... Yeah, Quentin Rampage Jackson. <laughs> Rampage. And Jessica Biel, for some reason. Because... Um, she was working hard. She, well, yeah. She did uh, among the least phoned-in elements of the movie, I thought. So, I guess before we start talking about the movie, we mm-hmm. just kind of co- briefly cover the TV show. I'm sure a lot of people out there have seen the A-Team. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the story about four vigilantes? Uh, they're... Well, okay. In Soldiers 1972... <laughs> <laughs> in 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a maximum security military stockade for a crime they didn't commit. Yeah. Uh, they promptly escaped and became members of the Los Angeles uh, Criminal Underground, mm-hmm. uh, where they survived. As soldiers of fortune. As soldiers of fortune. Um, for hire, if you could find them, going under if the sobriquet of uh, the A-Team. Yeah. So uh, that is uh, the components of the A-Team being... Um, See Hannibal, the bleeder. Uh, 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 C- Colonel Hannibal Smith. 
the the leader. The leader uh, in this movie portrayed by Liam Neeson in the in the television show, memorably portrayed by George Pappard. Uh, uh, you got Face Man. Uh, T- Templeton Templeton Face Man Pack. Uh, played or something. Who is the smooth talking ladies? He is man? a smooth talking ladies man who can get get ladies to do whatever he likes. And then you've got uh, Mad Murdock. Howlin' Mad Murdoch. Howlin' Mad Murdoch. He's Howlin' Mad Murdoch. Played by Lieutenant Barkley from Star Trek. He's crazy, but he can also fly better than anybody in the uh, Rangers. Damnedest. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got Mr. T, who played. <laughs> then you've got. BA. I know you start off. All the other ones are start off with their character. They start with Mr. T. Because Mr. T himself is a character well, at this the point. The lines between Mr. T and B.A. B. A. Baracus are not a bright and shining. A little. A little yeah. blurry. I think uh, um, it's well within his wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. And so, and Josh, you want to talk about things you like about the 18 TV show? Like well, I don't like it. The things that are memorable is that it is, uh, you know, B- batshit. It is batshit crazy in an 80s sort of way. Uh, that, um, that it's basically about four vigilantes uh, <laughs> who go across the country firing off thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds of small machine gun fire. Uh, in the service of random people. And breaking shit. Uh, but never wound anyone and are never apprehended. Yeah. Uh, until the end of the course of five seasons. It is... Uh, what happens in the last episode? They get well, caught? In the, in the last season, there's an inversion of the formula where a character played by Robert Vaughn uh, from Man, of Va- Man From Uncle uh, or from uh, lawyer TV ads uh, hires them to work for the government. Uh, okay. To clear their record. That's and a reversal it, it, it of fortune. Matter. Okay. All right. All right. So the point being, it's a batshit series involving a bunch of vigilantes going around, but nobody ever actually gets killed. And in the course of every episode, they also like build wacky devices, and uh, lots of people drive up ramps. <laughs> they live in a world uh, much like the world of the Dukes of Hazard, in which eighty uh, percent of all roadways are dirt and uh, punctuated by various ramp. Based means of conveyance, perhaps you that will cause you to then crash into something on your way up the ramp. Well, and also, every ramp through. also slows time. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and when I was a child, uh, this show was endlessly fascinating to me, largely because it was, I think, the fr- one of the first television shows that I recognized the absurd artifice to. Because even I, at ten, I guess, when this show. By the way, this is a concept entirely made for 10-year-old boys. Yeah, you said that while yeah, okay. you, you said that while we were watching the, mo- the 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 one episode that we watched you're like this show appealed to me at the age of 11 because it is for 11-year-olds. Right. It is absolutely like if you could look inside of an 11-year-old boy's mind like immediately prepubescence so that it's like fully occupied with boy things but no girls like you would see an episode of the A-team. Yeah. You would see, like, violence without respect for its consequences, lots of explosions that don't necessarily aren't connected to any co- anything <laughs> happening, uh, and then, it's like, a, a bunch of guys being friends. sense of, like, grandeur that, like, someday I'm going to do something big. Right. And then, you know, a bunch of adults chasing you and sh- shaking their fist at and, you. And, oh, I'll get you next time, Hannibal. Right. Oh, and a really rad-ass man. Right. And uh, a lot of uh, 80s Mike Post horns. Uh, blaring at you, declaring how triumphant you are. Yeah. So that is the A-Team TV show. TV show. So. Movie, which we watched. Adopted and updated for our modern cynical era. Uh, which, again, we said had Liam Neeson, Quentin mm-hmm. Rampage Jackson, mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper, and Charlotte Cop- Copley. Mm-hmm. And um, Jessica Biel. So, and Major Dad. And featuring and the Wilson. colors orange and turquoise. And featuring the colors orange and teal. A lot of orange and teal. And the number two. Um, the A-Team is about four, well, it's weird, because this movie has, like, five million different jump-forwards in time, so it's not even like you can start out saying they're already Iraq war vets that have been taken in by the government. The movie starts out in Medias Race, as so many great epics do, where uh, Hannibal is running to rescue his buddy. Through the Mexican desert. Through the Mexican desert, and we know that because it's even more orange than the rest of the movie. Through the Mexican desert to rescue his buddy, the face man, played by Bradley Cooper, uh, who has been captured by these He's Mexican... He's run afoul of a Mexican cartel... Police, drug lord slash cartel corrupt man yeah. for banging his girlfriend. I think, but also or, because they were trying to infiltrate them because they were crooked. Yeah. Um, and through a not actually super exciting set piece, um, he rescues him, but also uh, meets uh, Quentin Jackson and uh, in the form of B.A. Baracus and his signature A-Team van... 
It's revealed that they are all army rangers. They're all army rangers, and that's why they can trust each other um, to rescue. Because they got sweet matching tattoos. Right. Um, um, so they rescue Bradley Cooper, and they drive off, and they are going to get Charlotte Ma- Howlin' Mad Murdock right, he because their, he's the, well, he's he the best helicopter. damn pilot. So they have to bust him out of a mental institution. Not that he was already out, and then they had to bust him out later. Because then, remember, they're flying a helicopter. They bust him out twice. But who's flying the helicopter at the beginning when they fly back into America? It's him. Right, but they, they can't bust him out. They're running away from the Mexicans. Oh. We already don't remember this movie. Well, it's not a very fluid narrative. Anyway. They stop at a nearby hospital. I think that's what it is. It's like the, the army hospital that has Murdoch in it just happens to be on their way to the helicopter or some shit. And like they bust him out because he's the best damn pilot that right. anybody's ever seen. And then they fly off together. Right. Cut to... In a, an incredibly turbulent air fight that leaves Quentin Jackson with a permanent fear of flying. Yes. A signature trait of the character from the television series. Uh, and then so, we jump flash forward eight years. There's a thing that says eight years and 80 adventures later. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're in Iraq. They're in Iraq. And we've jumped into like a really sort of, um, it, it's like a mash homage almost. It's like the sort of life around the camp is laid back, the army camp. And we, we're up to it reminded me. And it reminded me a lot of that scene in Forrest Gump. The, the camp scene in Forrest Gump when he first meets Lieutenant Dan and Lieutenant Dan is telling him how the army works. It reminded me of MASH yeah. because there's tons of Altman talking over each other and like people being kooky. And Ho-John is running the still. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, this is when we're introduced to Jessica Beale's character who right. shows up to... The s- Hot Lips Houlihan character. Yeah, who, who yes, shows up exactly. And she's like the hard ass. Right, it's like this whole portion of the movie, like there's 45 minutes that are basically just like them wanting to do MASH. For some reason, that doesn't really play into the rest of the movie, except to, on the one hand, it's kind of appealing because it's a decent mash homage, but on the other hand, it's like, it doesn't really further that much of the rest of the movie if you're going to be like a this super This movie sort doesn't of actually movie. start happening until at least halfway through it. Right, it's, it has this series of punctuated starts and finishes, and you don't, it doesn't ever have a, like the, the sense of building appropriately. Um, when you get to the main story, you're already two thirds way through the movie, right? Like it's an like this whole first sequence doesn't have any payoff in terms of it's just that first forty five minute is just an origin story. That first thirty minutes where they're escaping from Mexico, we don't see that Mexican guy again, right? No, right. So they flash forward to Iraq. Um, Gerald McCraney, Major Dad, is their commanding officer. And he eventually, after lots of sort of laid back around the camp shenanigans, uh, pissing off Hot Lips Houlihan, um, sends them on a mission to go capture some Iraqi counterfeiting plates. Uh, that were in uh, Baghdad, and then when Saddam Hussein fell from power, they became lost. And the rumor is that the the plates, of the, which are of U.S. 20s or 100s, are going to be shipped out in a caravan that's highly armed and used to counterfeit a ton of money that is going to, like, destroy... Tank the U.S. economy. Uh, destroy freedom or something. So uh, under the table, the general kind of, like, slips them this... This uh, this assignment, like, hey, you know, we can't talk about this because it's so covert, right. but I need you to do this, and it's not official orders. Right. So, so they Hannibal, do a series of shenanigans rem- reminiscent of the series. They create wacky devices and uh, break into the uh, Iraqi facility, all the while trying to outrun some mercenaries hired by the CIA who are also tracking what's going on and Jessica Beale who is working with Cuz there's there's a rival There's a rival group in the camp that's supposed to be Blackwater. They're called like Black, Black Skeleton Forest. or something like that. And uh, so they're running afoul of them. They're running afoul of Jessica Beale who is a um who is a captain who used to date Bradley C- Cooper until she left him one day. In, in a completely like needless ne- much like on the A team the TV series like trying to shoehorn a girl into this movie in the most ham-fisted and non-successful way at all. Despite the fact that she's the most appealing character in the movie, I thought. She seemed like the only one who was sort of decent and understood, you know, both she sides of the She fills fence. that niche of, I'm a tough female, but what I really need is good dick. Yeah, but I didn't, 
like there was moments where it wasn't like that, and then it yeah, did devolve into that. It kind of devolved into right. that by the end. Right. So, um, come to find out, they are been betrayed. Oh no! Right. Oh, who set them up? So they get someone set them up. To, uh, top uh, maximum security military. The general, aid. the general that set. There's the only person that knew the truth of their orders. Winds dead. up dead, and so they can't prove that they didn't just go off on a random ass mission. So they all end up in prison. Spend a half an hour breaking everybody out of prison. The CIA with comes the help to of talk CIA to CIA officer Patrick Wilson, who comes to talk to Hannibal and is like, "We want your men to come." You may remember from uh, lots of things. Oh, he's wonderful, and um, they bust everybody out. Uh, they bust Murdoch out again out of another right. mental institution. Well, again, that's that's in keeping with the TV show. And uh, they, let's see, they go on a mission to clear their names. But it's not even to clear their names. They just want to, like, embarrass uh, Patrick Wilson or something? No, they... Because they figure out that he was part of the thing? Yeah, well, they want to embarrass the Black Forest people because right. they're the convinced ones who turn them. And then it turns out that Patrick Wilson, even though he works for the CIA, was in and out all along, and he's evil, and then they end up on, like, an oil rig. Well, no, first of all, you're missing a couple things. First of all, then they realize that this mysterious Arab... That they've been seeing in all of these footage, uh, who they videos, suspect has the money, which I thought was like going to be some shitty t- Tom Cruise cameo or some or Betty White. I think I said I thought it was. Gonna, you said both. it was like obviously putty makeup. It was a, a very obviously a disguise. It's very it, Je ne sais Tropic Thunder. <laughs> right, exactly. So it turns out that the dumb major dad has been alive all along, uh, and he was the one who set them up, and he's evil for reasons that make no damn sense yes. whatsoever. Yeah, I, I went to bed before this for part. For plot twisting. He uh, did it bef- to get his hands on the money, I think. Yeah, because uh, they wanted money. Something. Uh, but this anyway. is also after they, after they jump out of an airplane in a tank. With oh, a yes. Which, yes. by the way, was awesome in a different movie. Like, in a movie that was committed to being that batshit, <laughs> yes. that sequence would have been wonderful. And Bradley Cooper's firing the tank, like, right? To, to like, move the tank, to, like, fly like, the tank He's, by like, a hanging out of the tank, like, doing the top going, ah! Like, like, as they're dropping from 15,000 feet or something. And that is the one moment that I actually looked up from my phone and went, huh. And Josh is like, yes, more of this, please. Well, like, that could have been an insane movie if they had just committed to, like, a completely different interpretation of... We'll get to that when we're done. So, anyhow, they realize they've been triple-crossed and that they want to set up and embarrass Patrick Wilson and the Blackwater dudes. So, they set up a sort of elaborate thing where they pretend to kill... Gerald McCraney's character. No, he dies. Right, but they pretend that he's still alive. Oh, yeah. And then they pretend to shoot him in the head, all to reveal that uh, Patrick Wilson is actually a bad dude. And then at the end, setting up a sequel, uh, another CIA guy played by John Hamm shows up and spirits away all the bad guys. Yeah, so it turns out that there's like this... There's this conspiracy where there are CIA agents who will come in as super extra agents of the law and do whatever, and they can't get caught because, like, Patrick Wilson comes in to talk to Hannibal, and he, like, fries the cameras, and no one knows who he is. And he has the same name as John Hamm at the end. Like, my name is Smith. Lynch. Lynch. My name is Lynch. Agent Lynch. And it's like, what? And then the movie stops. Well, I mean, before that, Jessica Biel and Bradley Cooper do get together. I know you guys right. are all waiting. She was, she was finally able to let go of the fact that he stole her Steely Dan records. Which, by the way, can we talk about that? She what stole. She stole his Steely Dan records. year olds are like, you st- a stole my records. Yeah, like that's like an old man screenwriter I think they did, thing. I think they did say CD, but I'm like, what? Right, and also you Steely just buy Dan, it on like, iTunes. Who like, other than you? is going to be really exercised that someone stole their Steely Dan records. I, well, Jessica Biel, clearly. Yeah, that just. uh, No, I mean, Bradley Cooper, because he was the one, he's like, you stole my Stanley, Steely Dan record. Stanley Deal records? Stanley Deal. Oh, Stanley Deal. He's my favorite Calypso singer, Stanley (laughs) Deal. Stanley the Tindrum Deal. Because Stanley Deal makes the best breakfast sausages. Oh, they they are really good. They're frozen. I like the sage ones with a little bit of the maple syrup in it. Yep. Yeah, those are really good. This movie was just a big frenetic mess. Yeah, okay, so you take it first. Give me your thoughts. You had never seen an episode of The A-Team before we watched that right. particular episode. Um, So I actually had seen the movie before. This was, And I honestly do not remember it. I barely remembered it to begin with. I, mm-hmm. I, I think because I watched it at the time with a guy who really wanted to see it. So I think that's the only reason I agreed and to you it. You really wanted to see him? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so, I, and I honestly don't remember it, but 
I think it may have been just because I wasn't paying attention to the movie. And not like in that gross, like, oh, we were making out the whole time because we weren't. He really wanted to see the movie. I think I was just playing with, like, a Rubik's Cube that was on his coffee table or something mm-hmm. the entire time. This movie's, like, a huge frenetic mess. It... Again, the thing that bothered me, it never really starts because it has, like, four different jump forwards in time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why wouldn't you just do, like, a montage at the beginning showing how they met or explaining the background and then get into a plot where they have to go pick, help Orange Groves or something like that. And it was, it, it, it was just all kinds of crazy. Yeah. And it was so orange. And so long. Yeah, this was probably, this was, might have been worse than Basic Instinct 2. Oh. In terms of teal and orange, uh phenomenon oh god in terms of pushing the color palette toward teal and orange and it's like you look at someone like bradley cooper whose skin is orange and also at the same time the same color color as as quentin jackson and liam neeson and gerald mccray like every race has the same skin which on the one hand i think that's an ideal that we can all aim for is being colorblind i don't think we all want to be the color of you know, snooky. And you know, Bradley Cooper and Liam Neeson have some beautiful stun in blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's like made even more stark, but not any more attractive by the fact that like, it's like, but like, it's like Jackson is recognizably sh- African-American. They are covered in Charlotte Cheeto Copley dust. is recognizably a whitey white South African guy. Yeah. And yet they are the same color. It's disturbing. It's like they're covered in Cheeto dust or <laughs> it's like. very much like every person in this movie is covered in Cheeto dust. That it, is a good, good analogy. It's like that scene from the Sandlot where the treehouse blows up and the two boys are caught inside and then they come out and they're covered in like dust and then they just. And then they but they're still dusty. Like, I feel like someone had to go through a, a dust Cheeto machine before they came to set. Like, <coughs> it's like I think my beef with this, and everything you said is correct, and uh, I agree with everything that you said. My beef with this movie is, like, like sort of from the 10,000 feet meta level. So you have the idea of making an A-team movie. Right. I firmly believe you can make a good movie out of anything. Okay? Um, I didn't not enjoy the first Charlie Charlie's Angels movie. Right? Um. But I think you have to approach the material, you know, this movie doesn't know what to do with the source material. No. (coughs) And I don't know whether that's a phenomenon of the sort of internet age that we live in where if you touch anything that in any way relates to the childhood of 40-something males, if you don't treat it with reverence, they'll be mad at you, Mm -hmm. which I think is a large part of the phenomenon. But I think... The A-Team does not deserve reverence. And I say this as someone who was the target audience when I was 10 years old. It was a bad, dumb TV show that made no sense. Yeah, even okay? that episode we watched, I was just like, this is <coughs> fucking ridiculous. Like, Howlin' Mad Murdoch's got, like, a Ouija board. and Right. So you can do, you know, so when you have that, you can either sort of say, well, what is it that makes people fond of it? And can we take that and do something good with it? You know? Which things like Charlie's Angels movie did or the Brady Bunch movie did, where you sort of acknowledge the absurdity of the TV Sex concept. Sex in the City too. No. Uh, where you acknowledge the absurdity, but you sort of build around it. And I think if they had done that and ended up with more scenes like well, that damn tank falling out of the well, sky. Well, like, we actually compared this while we were watching it to 21 Jump Street. Or 21 Jump Street. Which right. was a movie that took a really shitty TV show and right. made it into a genuinely adorable, like, fun experience. Right, by sort of looking at, you know, what is the essence? And that movie got a little meta for me, which is fun, you know. But, like, what is the essence of what people remember and want to enjoy? What can we take that and build a, build a good movie out of it? This movie, I think, just sort of... On the one hand, it sort of tried to ape the beats of of an episode of the A-Team, and while simultaneously just... having, like, an origin story tacked onto the beginning, but then also having these weird sort of tonal things, like, where it had that MASH-esque feel in the middle, and it's it's hard to take... An espionage. Like, it was just straight-up, like, betrayal, Mission Impossible kind of espionage or, or mis- or, And that was another and thing. I was, was going like, to compare it to the first Mission Impossible movie, which is almost a failure, you know, it could be argued because it has sort of the same problem where it keeps restarting mm-hmm. the original Mission Impossible movie. But I think the original Mission Impossible movie commits to its weird tone so hard that you can sort of buy into it. Now, I don't I don't necessarily think it's a super successful version of it. But but this this AT movie doesn't really like I said, it doesn't, you know, 
if they want to make an episode of the A-Team movie, then just start up, start up straight with the, you know, the credits, you know, instead of, you know, in 1972, start out with in in the Persian Gulf War or whatever. Yeah, say like, you know, now they survive as soldiers of fortune and like everyone would be on on board with you. Or, right, or if you want to make something that's a little more tongue-in-cheek, then you can sort of do it that way. Or, you know, you can make it even, you know, I mean, there's any number of people who saw the TV show and tried to make it themselves and to be the, they thought they were the A-Team or whatever, you know, like there's any number of ways you do that, but... And again, some of that, I think, if you go too far off the reservation, then a bunch of stupid internet boys will be like, you're ruining my childhood. I mean, look at the Ghostbusters shit. Oh, you know? And Ghostbusters is actually good. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of it does have to do with caring. When you, when you, when you buy these pro- – and it's a, it's a double-edged sword because the only reason this movie got made was because they wanted to get those stupid idiots to see well, the they movie. They wanted to start a franchise because this is very clearly the starter film in a franchise. Right. But it's just like the Transformers. Like you have a shitty source product yes. that you're making a movie of purely to milk nostalgia bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can't do anything good or interesting with it and you just end up with this. Despite some people trying, Bradley Cooper could have been great in any number of the other versions of the movie that mm. I was making, writing in my head while we were watching this. Wasn't, wasn't Kate's thinking that uh, Bradley Cooper's chest did just fine. Yeah. There were, it was like yeah. the contractual He had like a 12 pack. It was intense. Yeah. It was, wow. It, it was, was crazy. Wow. Yeah, he had some some nice. Anyhow, my point is, some people are phoning it in, some people are not. Quentin Jackson is not an actor, but he was appealing enough in his scenes. But again, they didn't know where they were going with that character, whether he was like a... I would have cast someone in that role who was an actor who, like, I they, they cast him because he's very physically impressive, I think, and mm-hmm. like, you know, but what? I would have, and, you, you know... You know what I would have done? What? Here's the here's the eighteen movie I'm making in my head. Would you put okay. The Rock? No, because I would have cast The Rock. This is the eighteen movie. Somewhere. You can make your own eighteen movie. This is my eighteen movie. You know that's good casting. You guys want The Rock in fucking everything, okay? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You can fucking make an Anne of Green Gables. You would want The Rock to star as Anne Shirley. Yep. No. She's but she's thinking about I'm it. I'm trying to figure out where to put The Rock. Yeah. yeah. Dudley. What is his name? The dude. Gilbert. Gilbert Dudley. Stephen. Some kind no, of dude's name. I don't name. feel like like Aloysius. If they made if they made another remake, another remake of Rebecca, I would cast The Rock. No, I wouldn't cast him as Max. As Max, I would, I would no. want him to be Air there. Max. Air Max. Air Max. Um, no. So here's the 18 movie I'm the making rock. in my head. Here's Sorry. the 18 movie I'm making in my head. So it's a bunch of like uh, you have some doughy 40 uh, something guys. Okay. We're big fans of the A-Team movie. You get three, uh, the two of them. The TV show? The TV show. Oh, okay. okay. You get two of them. Like, doughy, doughy middle-aged guys uh, who uh, are big fans of the A-Team show, okay? And one of their buddies has hit a really hard part in life, and he's uh, attempted suicide, and he's in a mental institution there. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he was the biggest A-Team fan of them all, okay? Mm-hmm. So they just said, hey, we're going to break him out like they broke Murdoch out. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you know what? We, uh, we could be the A-Team, and that could be like, that could get our crazy friend back on... Uh, back on his, eh, that could get a crazy friend back on his legs. So then the guy, the crazy guy, they break out of the, he starts to think that he's Murdoch. So he's acting like Murdoch. So they start calling him Murdoch and they start doing an A-team. And then they go in, uh, cause Mr. T, the actual Mr. T isn't doing anything. And they hire Mr. T to be BA. Mm-hmm. And then they go around and they do, uh, they go fight crime as the A-team. This sounds like a very sad movie to me. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually an, there's an episode of Family Guy where Peter, gets under delusion that they can be the A-team and he and his friends God drive around. fucking damn it. <laughs> fucking family guy. Okay, anyhow. So if uh, A-team were a cocktail, what would it be? Oh, if the A-team were a cocktail? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Okay, so um, my thoughts on this were that if this movie were a cocktail, um, it'd be like you wanted to have an old favorite. Mm-hmm. Like you, maybe in your youth, you know, when you're like in college, you were really pretentious enough that you like, you know, ordered a specific drink just mm-hmm. to show how cool you are. Like, let's just say the Paloma. Mm-hmm. You always order Palomas in the bar. Right. And then now you're like 40 something and you're like, you know what I haven't had in a while? A Paloma. A Paloma. But you want to like, Una paloma. Una paloma, por favor. And then you want to like, you want to like amp it up a notch, but you don't really remember what mm-hmm. you used originally. So you buy like Mountain Dew instead of grapefruit soda. Oh, that would be the worst. And you mix it and you're like, yeah, more extreme. Like that's what the A-Team <laughs> movie would be to me. Yeah, my, as my little simmer is like anything that you go back to out of nostalgia and discover was terrible. 
to begin and you shouldn't with. have liked yeah. it in the first place. So yeah, it would be like whatever shitty pretentious brand of French cigarettes you smoked when you were in college. Oh god, like <laughs> yeah. Giton, and then like whatever shitty uh, beer that you had when you were sneaking beer out of uh, the the Seven Eleven, like you know, old Milwaukee or something. Oh, Milwaukee's god. best. Oh god, Keystone. Yeah, it's yeah. like the time I went back to the the, the coffee shop in town. Because I used to go there in college and work on papers and stuff. Mm. And I went back there as an adult, like after I graduated. And I was just like, this place is the worst. Yeah. You never go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they should write a book about how you can't go home again. They should. I was thinking something similar in that, like, what would appeal to an 11-year-old boy? Mm-hmm. And uh, the answer is a sip of dad's bud. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. From a squirt gun. Oh, God. <laughs> From a super soaker. Yeah, super soaker. Yeah. Right. Got to pump it up. I loved those when I was an 11-year-old boy. What? 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 Um, so if the Vinicio del Toro were a movie. Vinicio del Toro. Uh-huh. What um, movie would it be? This is, for me, it's very, um, it's a very relaxing beverage. It's not imposing. It's very friendly. It doesn't. It's got a very good taste to it. It's not mm-hmm. like an acquired taste like cocktails can be, you know, like a martini. Um, so to me, it's just something that's so calm and, like, chill. It reminds you of, like, hanging out with an old friend or, like, an old favorite movie. Mm-hmm. So to me, I kind of want this to be, um, like, When Harry Met Sally because it's, like, a comfort movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I was you know going to say I mean? something. Like, it's something that you're, like, flipping through and you're like, oh. I was going to say something that's uh, pretty to look at mm-hmm. uh, and European and mm-hmm. very relaxing and just puts you in a calm state. I was going to go uh, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. So I almost went with Room with a View, but I thought it'd be a little bit too on the nose. Mm-hmm. You? I, I was thinking, you know, it's I, at the front of my tongue is pretty sweet, and then at the back it's kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was also an allergic reaction. So I was going to say <laughs> My Girl. Oh, oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> You're the fucking worst. Spoilers, Laura. Why would you bring that Why up? Why would you spoil my girl? Jesus. <laughs> because it's been a while. That's why. You know, the first time I saw that movie, that's literally the part I tuned into first. It was yeah. the part with the little boy getting stung by bees and dying. There. There's her. You're the fucking worst. <laughs> You're a monster. A monster. Oh, I married a monster. Burn in hell. Jeez, that's your sense of humor? Yeah. Okay, yes. you don't get to play Would You Rather. Uh, so before Aww. we go on to Would You Rather, before we go on to Would You Rather, uh, you know, if you're looking to get in contact with us, you can always reach us on Twitter at, at PNTCast. Mention us and we will totally give you a shout out, I promise. Our web address is prefernottto.com. You can find old episodes there, occasionally show notes that we do when we're feeling like it, which is not often lately, unfortunately. There's also our Facebook page. There's our Facebook page, which you can find us on Facebook. If you want to shoot us an email, you can send it to PNTCast at gmail.com and we have a special announcement we have our that is the worst special announcement music Uh, we are going to be doing our first live show ever uh, for the 11 people who happened to accidentally stumble into DSI theater in Chapel Hill on Thursday August 27th at 8.30pm it's part of a new Podcasting and Comedy Festival that DSI Theater is sponsoring here mm-hmm, in Chapel mm-hmm, Hill. Mm-hmm. And, and it we're sounds super really stoked. Uh, seats are $10 for individual shows or 20 bucks for the whole week. And Which that is, is a huge value. That's a huge value. It's four nights of different podcasts. There's two nights. Um, podcasts and improv groups. Um, yeah. It's great. It goes th- uh, through all weekend. Highly recommended for your money. I guarantee you that uh, during our show, we will be discussing uh, the re- most recent Netflix season of uh, Paw Patrol. So you have that Ooh, to look yep. forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the motion picture that we're going to be discussing. Can we reveal that yet? Yeah, sure. Okay. Is the uh, 1985 uh, World Wrestling Entertainment first foray into motion pictures, No Holds Barred. And a glorious film it is, too. Indeed. Um, Starring Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you something. This is My wife may be the only person in the world who has ever said this sentence, but we were watching No Holds Barred, and the credits come up, and my wife actually says, ooh, Kurt Fuller. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. Uh, I, I, he's a wonderful character actor, but I can guarantee you, you are possibly the only person ever in history who has seen the titles of a movie. And he got starring billing. Yeah, uh, he did. Uh, ooh, Kurt Fuller. 
Uh, so we will be talking about that, and our cocktail uh, will likely be the Long Island iced tea. The longest uh, of teas. Yes, and the most isolated, because it is an island. And we'll be attempting to uh, uh, encourage the facilities at DSI to assist in the production of Long Island iced teas. I'm not sure if we can. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. We're give you more details, like, but like I said, uh, 8.30, April, uh, August 27th. Uh, DSI. DSI Chapel, Chapel Hill, Hill. North Carolina. Come on down. 27514. Probably. It's probably actually not that. That's the area code of the hospital, so it's probably not. I, mean, I think 14 is. It's on Franklin Street, right? Anywho. So, please come. Please. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to be uh, my sister. And she's funnier than either of us, so that's kind of embarrassing when Josh's we're sister, my boyfriend... And our friend Amanda, who is also sometimes on the show. So I don't think she really counts because she's like a sometimes co-host. Hey, look, a cat. So would you rather, Kate? Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Rest of your life, because I'm a specialist in the rest of your life ones. Every day of your life, you only get to sleep one hour. Or every day of your life, sleep 23 hours. I don't think I would survive only sleeping one hour a day. Is this in a world where, like, I would still be really tired, but I wouldn't... You wouldn't die, but you'd be miserable. You would suffer all the other side effects. So you'd be miserable from too much sleep or miserable from not enough sleep. Um, I think I'd go with... Do I have a way of making money if I sleep 23 hours a day? Sure. They they pump your plasma out. You have a rare blood condition, and it's invaluable plasma. Okay, cool. Um... Because that's the thing. But if I don't sleep, I'm still super grumpy and tired, but I don't start hallucinating things. No. Okay. No. And you don't have, like, family, familial, uh, fatal insomnia. Um, you know, I'm going to go with the 23 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'd spend that, Shoot like, me. one hour a day, like, really getting into, like, uh, cross-stitching. Right. No, you would just, like, pee the whole time. She's got a good point. This is my fantasy, Laura. <laughs> Step off. Get off of my cloud. Okay, lay it on me. All right, so for the rest of your life, Josh, would you rather have to, whenever you needed to write something down, use one of those um, crayon pens with the exchangeable tips? I don't even know what that is. So you got me on that. What is a crayon pen with an exchangeable tip? It's like where there's like, it's like a pen with like seven tips inside and you have to take one out and push it in to get the other color that you want. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Are they crayons? Well, they're whatever. Okay, okay. Okay. Or I, oh, this is a bad one. No, give it to me. Okay. Uh, or that, or um, uh, I guess I was gonna say like a Crayola marker, but it's like a really weird color that doesn't show up on paper, like like hazard yellow. Wait, it doesn't actually even show up on the paper. It does, but it's really hard. I'll take the crayon pen. Okay. Yeah, because I could find one that I would now if I wore them all down, I just get another another I think one you would of get seven. A, you would get another one, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I guess that, that, works. that wasn't the best. Oh, hey, also, I forgot to mention, uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, so please go give us an iTunes review. Uh, we love it when you get an iTunes review. It makes our day. Thanks to all of you who have already done it. So go do that thing. Do you have anything you wanted to say to folks? Uh, well, I wanted to ask you, Josh, uh, would you rather watch the A-Team movie or oh, right. any random episode of the A-Team? Random episode of the A-Team. God, yes. Yeah. Random episode of the A-Team. Just because such a like creature of its time. And that's the other thing. Like, I didn't think the movie acknowledged... Like, it's impossible to update the, a- the, ni- the A-Team because it is such a creature of its time. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to update it without acknowledging the elements of it that are so essentially an element of 1980s. You know, and again, that's, that's something that the Brady Bunch movie does, something that the 20, 21 Jump Street does a little bit, something that Charlie's Angels does a little bit is sort of acknowledge the absurdities in the premise and the, the That the was the real flaw behind Sex and the City, I think. <laughs> Not enough people knew where they were coming right, from. Right, it wasn't grounded enough. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, I uh, just wanted to say, as always, we've enjoyed spending some time with you, and we hope you do it again sometime. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm making lots of little poppy sounds with this poppy thing in my hand. Uh.